Good morning. My name is Warren Lyon. I'm the director of Vets of Hope. We are blessed to live in a free country with the ability to gather like this today. I thank God for this freedom daily, as should you. Let us also remember this coming Thursday, November 11th, is Veterans Day. I hope you will pause and thank veterans, as well as those currently serving. If you know a veteran or see one in passing, please thank them for all they have had to sacrifice to become warriors in defense of this country and for all they have done to keep us safe. Vets of Hope is a group of veterans, active duty, and first responders that meet at here at our Essex campus every Monday night from 1830 to 2030 hours. On November 22nd, we will be having a special meeting at Josh's house at 1830 for both men and women. Those who have served this country in any capacity are invited to come, connect with other service members, and see what a Vets of Hope meeting looks like. Our monthly M25 food collection is happening today at both campuses. Thank you to all who have participated in this important outreach to our communities. Pick up a shoebox in the lobby today or use your own shoebox to fill for a boy or girl for Operation Christmas Child. Drop them off at the lobby at either campus on the next two Sundays. More information on this and the specific drop-off times can be found on Church Center. High school students, Deep Freeze registration is now open on Church Center. For a weekend in January, the high school youth group will be going back to Camp Berea. There is a giant tubing hill, paintball, and famous fraps, and the incredible worship band and speaker. Spots are limited, so don't wait to sign up. Thank you for your continued support through your financial givings. Your tithes and offerings makes all those events and more even possible. You can give in a variety of ways and they are shown at the bottom of the screen. If you are new and joining us in person, please be sure to stop by the information desk in the lobby. We'd love to answer any questions you have and help you get connected. If you're joining us online for the first time, let us know in the chat. For more information about anything I've mentioned today and more happening in the life of our church, be sure to check out the Church Center. Thanks for being here with us. God bless you. <laughs> So I, I love Warren. You know, I used to look like that, um, chiseled. Yeah, a long time ago. When, when Warren says give, you give. He says get a box, you go get a box. Don't make me send Warren after you. <laughs> hey, a couple things real quickly. Um, Operation Christmas Child, let's go over the top here this year with it. If you've never done it before, go get, go get a couple of boxes. It doesn't take much to fill them, two boxes a person. Uh, how fun would that be? And, and we only have a limited time. We got to, these things have to get you know, gathered, sorted, packed, shipped out. So I'd love to have you participate with us in that. So I brought the, the prop up for you. Uh, one other thing, uh, real quickly, it, just a, a thank you. Those of you who participated last week in, in trick, uh, Trunk or Treat at North Avenue, Granted, many, many people brought candy, those kind of things, but for those specifically who showed up in one of the most miserable days that there could possibly be, I just want to say to you, thank you for your investment in the people in Burlington. Uh, over in that horrible weather, 500 families showed up. Uh, and you were all there, both here, this campus, North Avenue people showed up. I just want to say thank you. <clears throat> I mean, sincerely, it's one of those things where you, you show up not knowing who's gonna, who, who else will show up, who will see you or not. And you guys did it. We saw, I, I saw pictures, and you looked so happy. 
Uh, and uh, nice job, job well done. I want to give you a quick update. I'm going to introduce our guest speaker this morning, but I need to give you a very quick update. And this is our first Sunday, of course, with Pastor Ron being gone. And I say good riddance, quite honestly. <laughs> good riddance of him. And I've told him that, you know, yeah, 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 get out of here, go to Florida. Send me, send me one more picture of a beautiful sunrise while you wake up. Um, we will miss him without question. But, of course, there's a new day. And one of the questions people have asked is, so where are we heading? What are we going to do in replacing Ron and taking some next steps? Let me give you a real quick background and, and bring you up to speed. So as soon as Ron had announced his retirement, he and I had been in conversation for some time. He and I have been talking through this for well over a year. Uh, walking through just logistically. When he said, hey, it's time and gave us a date, we immediately began a search process. We put together a profile and a search process. It was a profile that was not going to just be worship and arts, but also going to include uh, some oversight, pastoral oversight in the area of children, families, ministries, uh, adult ministries, because the job description had changed through the years. And when there's a change, you can make those changes. So we had we launched a, a search. We had the immediate response, you know, you get like a couple of dozen people right off the bat that say, hey, pick me, pick me. And of course, you don't usually pick them, pick them. You usually wait and see. And so we walked through that and didn't have anyone immediately pop to the top. Uh, but we knew um, COVID's changed things. Uh, past pastoral staff were moving kind of slow around too as well. So we knew it would take some time. As time went on, we really hadn't had anyone. We're committed to getting the right person. Hadn't had anyone that really surfaced well. So I sat down with Ron and said, hey, listen, we don't have a set name, but uh, would you do this for me? Would you, you know, t- you know our, our, our department, you know the people we have musically, would you kind of set them up uh, through January, February, March, April, like towards Easter, get, you know, get, them, get the Sundays all scheduled so that we're still able to go forward? And he said, yes. And then he said, he said, well, I, I, I'll do that. That's great. I can put that together. He said, you know, I had a conversation with one of our, one of our musicians named Trevor. And he's been asking me a lot of questions about the position. And I said, okay, great. You know, didn't think much about it. Uh, he came back and said, I had another conversation with Trevor. He's asking me a lot of questions about, about the position. <clears throat> and so we talked a little further and talked about it more. Then he came back and he said, I think you're going to get a resume from Trevor. He said, um, you know, Trevor met with me and he's real serious. And he said, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm supposed to do this. And I said, well, I'll look forward to that. And I said, well, Ron, I said, to give me your take. I want you to hear this. Ron said, and I quote, he said with a pause, he looked at me and he said, Scott, when I look at Trevor, I see me. I see a young me. And I looked at him and said, well, you know what? We got to invest in kids like uh, Trevor. I said, so let's have a talk. So I sat down, had a chat with Trevor and heard his heart and began to chart direction. I went back to Ron and said, okay, I need you to write a different job description. Um, uh, if, if, we, if it's a, a part-time position, not full-time, because the, all the qualifications Trevor wouldn't necessarily have for the whole pastoral part, but clearly well qualified in the mu- musical part and in his spiritual walk with God. I said, so let's rewrite that and walk things through. Sat down, uh, prayed with him, walked through with him, and uh, I, I said to our elder board, I said, you know what? This is not the direction we were headed but it seems like God's opened the door. Remember a couple weeks ago I said this, you're going to have your God box. It's okay to have a God box. Just don't put a top on the box. And quite honestly, we thought we were going to go in a different direction. So we had our God box of how God was going to operate. And God's done something different. And he can do that when, you know, he can do it whether you put a top on or not. He can pry the top off your box. <clears throat> but it sure makes it easier on you. 
if you don't put a top on. And so God has uh, redirected us. And so I'm glad to say that we have hired Trevor Contois uh, as our director of worship and arts. Now, there's two people I want. I'm going to have them both come out. Trevor, come out, and Cam. Cam Bushy, if you'd both come out. I, uh, I assume you'll come out now. There you go. <clears throat> I want, to, I want to officially say this to both. Cam has been on staff already. Cam is our director of technical arts. And now uh, uh, Trevor will be our director of, the, of worship and worship arts. So I put it in this way. Uh, Trevor will be in charge of everything that happens musically, any instrument with singing, anything. Anything happens on stage, that's him. Anything that happens around the stage, uh, lights, video, all those things would be Cam. Now Cam has been on staff already, but there's no question, and he's a leader all on his own, but with Ron's departure, there's a new an elevated place of leadership. Uh, and I just want you to know I could not be more excited for the day ahead of us with these two young guys prepared to step. Think about this. In a world today where so many churches are struggling to get people to commit, we've got two young guys that are saying we are totally in. Now, here's the joke which I, you knew I would say. Stand over here. I don't like you, I don't like you behind me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to stand there. Um, couple things. So one, they don't work for each other. They work alongside of each other. Uh, they'll re, I'll, say, I'll, I'll use the word reporting to me, but we meet weekly and we'll be charting direction weekly and doing those things, but they work side by side overseeing all the area of worship. Uh, I said to Ron this, the day he told me he was retiring, I said, listen, just do me one favor. Just don't leave me on a Sunday morning in the hands of a 25, some 25 year old. <laughs> Trevor's 21. <laughs> Cam's 22. <laughs> right now, 25 looks pretty old. <clears throat> I want the two of you to hear me say, and I want you to hear, we are 100% behind you, and we want you to succeed. Trevor, you get up and you lead us to, to, to the throne room of God with all of your heart and being. Uh, you make him look good as he does that. <laughs> with all of your being. And I say very sincerely, I could not be more pleased. Our first meeting was last week and they sat down. I said, okay, you guys, I, I figured, you know, typical young kids. Um, now, just so you know, just so you know, everyone's a kid now, you get this age. I'm figuring, you know, I'll have to char take charge of the meeting. I go, yeah, anything? Oh yeah, I got eight questions. I got five. I'm going, really? And they go, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this, we did it. And I'm going, all right. I'm a little scared, but okay. <laughs> Listen, guys, you have our support. God bless you both. <laughs> Thank you for your support. We want to invest in our kids, and this is a great investment. I want to introduce our speaker this morning. It'll be a very short introduction. Uh, Kelvin Walker has been here before, back when he was at NIAC on faculty and staff. Uh, he brought some groups here with us. I've, gotten, I've had the privilege of knowing Kelvin through, man, for the years now, uh, when he was a pastor, worship pastor, and then a lead pastor. He now serves as the district superintendent of the Metropolitan District, which would be the greater New York area. But on top of that, he is the vice president of our denomination. Uh, and so when I'm around him, I have to make sure that I do everything right and well because, I mean, he's like the second guy in charge and he's right up there. Um, he's an incredible leader, uh, uh, incredible speaker, incredible worship leader. But the thing I can say best about him is, man, does he love Jesus. 
And I'm glad to say, Calvin, you're my friend. So come, please, and share this morning. God bless you. Jessica Lyons, it is good to be here with you this morning. My wife and I were driving here, and every time, the closer we got, we kept saying Essex, 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 you know, just trying to get our tongues to say Essex, you know. So I think we finally got it. We're glad to be here. Uh, I realize that it is just not um, assumed that uh, Pastor Scott would uh, invite just anyone to be in the pulpit. He's such a, an incredible preacher himself, so I just want you to know what an honor and a privilege it is for me to be here with you this morning and to share God's Word. As we look into God's Word, we're going to talk about this theme. If there was a topic or a subject I'd give to the message, the message would simply be this, the step-cutting daddy. Step-cutting daddy. And all you're kind of looking at, what does he mean by that? Stick with me. We'll get there. Let's go to prayer real quickly. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity for us to be here, gathered in this space on this day, Lord. As we look into your words, your word, open our eyes so we would see, open our ears we would hear, open our hearts that we would receive, and open our wills that we would respond to what you say. Come now and do what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My wife and I have six children, two daughters-in-law, one son-in-law, and one beautiful five-month-old granddaughter. So we are, we are blessed. When we were uh, living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and our kids were small, uh, we had a community of people that got together, and we, we, we raised our kids together. We, we, we became a community. It was a, something that was very, very encouraging for us. One of the families in this community we became very close to. We spent a lot of time together. They came over to our house one Saturday, and we were in the kitchen, and our, all the kids were in the front living room, and we were commiserating about our days and what it was like with our kids on that day. And so we told them our story and the things that we had to do uh, in order to uh, make it through the day with the kids and some of the things they were walking through. And then they told us their story of some of the things that they had to do and some of the things that they were walking through. And it seemed like we were just kind of going back and forth, back and forth, talking about what was going on with our kids. Well, in the living room, which was not too far away, I could hear one of my kids uh, acting up. So I just called from the kitchen, son, please stop that. And we kept talking. As we went on, he kept acting up. So I called again, son, cut that out. And he continued on. Well, about the third time, I'm about to, you know, lose my patience a bit. And I just said, hey, cut it out. And as I said that, I've sensed God speak to me and say, why don't you take him upstairs and just ask him what's going on? So I did. We got upstairs. I sat him on my lap and I said, buddy, what's happening? Tell, tell me what's going on. And he said, dad, do you enjoy kids? <laughs> Do I enjoy kids? I have six kids. We've just invited a family over that added two more kids to. Our, do, I, do, do I enjoy? What, what are you talking about? Of course I love you. And then he said this, Dad, I know you love me, but do you enjoy me? <laughs> As I've thought about that question over the years, 
and I thought about the things that I've learned about parenting. What I realized was that my son was asking this question, do you love me with a prodigal love? Do you love me with a prodigal love? Now, when you see that word, you kind of go, prodigal? I mean, you know, everything we've heard about prodigal has always been cast in the negative. But the word prodigal actually means this, extravagant and lavish and exuberant and opulent and abundant and generous and open-handed and given liberally. My son, when he said, Dad, do you enjoy me? What he was actually asking me was, do you love me with a prodigal love? Do you love me open-handedly and freely and opulently? Something about what I was saying, though we were just trying to connect with other parents and then eventually encourage each other, something about what I was saying to him came across as, you don't enjoy me. Now, my oldest son is about to be 31 years old, so we have a range of kids' ages. And I will tell you that over the years, God has taught me through all of my kids what it means to love in a prodigal way. And I have learned, and I am learning, and now I get to practice that same thing with my granddaughter. But it was a question I really had to think about, something I had to learn. And as I look at the text that we have for today, there's an understanding of prodigal love that I've come to over the years. The text is Luke chapter 15, uh, verses 11 to 32. It's often called the parable of the prodigal son. It's part of a set of three parables, the parable of the lost sheep, then the parable of the lost coin, and then finally the parable of the lost son. We know it as the parable, parable of the prodigal son. But if I were going to rename this parable today, I would rename it the parable of the prodigal father, or as I've said the title of the message, the step-cutting daddy. And the reason why I would do that is because as I look at this, it's actually the father in this parable who was prodigal. He was the one who displayed prodigal love. He loved his sons extravagantly. He loved his sons opulently. He loved his sons abundantly. He loved his sons generously. He loved his sons open-handedly. And he liberally, without hesitation, gave out his love to his sons. The son that was lost was unwise. He was wayward. He was reckless. But it's the father in this story that I submit to you who was the prodigal, because he displayed prodigal love. And so let's, let's read the text and then look at what it is about prodigal love that we gather from this. Uh, beginning at uh, verse 15, says, uh, verse 11, says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth with wild, in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has his son back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered the father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. But you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Powerful, powerful parable. And as I look at it, there is a question that comes to mind. And that question is this. What exactly does prodigal love look like? If the father in this story is the real prodigal, and he's the one who displayed prodigal love, then what exactly does prodigal love look like? How does it look to love in a way that says, I enjoy you? Three pictures of prodigal love that I see here. The first is this. Prodigal love is love that is redemptive and restorative, even in the face of rebellion. Redemptive and restorative even in the face of rebellion. Now, before I continue on, I need to tell you that I am Christian Missionary Alliance now, but I grew up in what I call a Baptocostal church. We were Baptists who worshiped like Pentecostals, and people could say amen. So if there's something you agree with, you can say amen, all right? All right. Prodigal love, redemptive and restorative, even in the face of rebellion. This text makes it very clear. But while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And then as he gets closer, he says, bring the best robe. Possibly the best robe was the robe that he was wearing. Who knows? He may have taken the robe off of his own body and put it on his son. Bring the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Those are significant things about this text. Can you imagine that the son would go to the father and say to him, give me my share of the estate? In essence, what he's saying is this, father, you're as good as dead to me. 
I'm done with this family. Give me what you owe me. Now, I don't know about you, but I know my father. If I had gone to him and said, Dad, give me my share of the estate. (laughs) And just as I'm looking at you like this, that's the look I would have got. Your share of the estate. Tell me something, son. What bill comes to this place in your name? (laughs) What checking account do the bills get paid out of? If I were to produce the deed of this house, whose name is on it? Your share of the estate. I'll give you something. (laughs) Not sure you're going to like what it is. Dad, you're as good as dead. You're nothing to me. And yet when the son comes back, the father does something very significant. Not only does he give him the best robe to remind him of his position, but he puts a ring on his finger. It would have been the signet ring of the family. I wear this ring all the time. It's got a K on it. It was given to me by my parents the day I graduated from Nyack College as an undergrad student. Over the years, it wore out, and a friend of mine who's a jeweler redesigned it. But every time I look at this ring, I see that K, and it reminds me, my name is Kelvin, and I am the son of Sarah and Oscar Walker. The father putting that ring on that son's finger would have been really significant. The family signet ring. It would have said to the son, you threw me away. But I want to remind you that I never forgot you were mine. You have always been, you are, and you will always be mine. You've made a mess of things. Come on, let me redeem this and restore this. Prodigal love, redemptive and restorative, even in the face of rebellion. Second, prodigal love, extravagant, even though it risks embarrassment. Extravagant, even though it risks embarrassment. Now, the younger son comes running home Actually, I don't think he ran home. I would even submit to you that he didn't come home with his head hanging low. He came home kind of like, I'm just going to tell dad this story. This is what's happened. This is what I need. And I'm just going to tell him this. So he was just kind of like, all right, let's go. He starts walking down the road, and all of a sudden, father's running toward him. That tells you that the father must have been looking for him every single day. But as he's running, I wonder if there's something else there. For you see, the law that the father would have known would have said that when you have a rebellious child who does not respond, you take that rebellious child to the elders 
And it is the elder's job to deal with that child. And according to the law, that child should have been stoned and put to death for the way he acted. So I want you to get this picture. The father's here. The son is way off. He's got to come through the city gates. Who watches the city gates? The elders of the city. Dad gets a picture of the son. He gets a picture of the elders. His heart's filled with compassion for his son. And he takes off. And only to run, he has to lift his robe. That in and of itself would have been an embarrassment. That a man of his stature would lift his robe in public. That a man of his stature would run after his child. But I get this picture that as he's running, the elders are looking. Who's that? Who's coming through the... Oh, y'all see who that is? You know what we have to do. And so the father's running, the elders are standing, the son is walking, they reach down, they're ready to do their job, and just as they draw back, the father grabs him and he covers him. And I can imagine those stones dropping and the elders' mouths dropping open. Father, runs after the son to save him from the elders and to save his life and to keep him from getting killed and to say to the elders, no, 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 he's mine. I got this. It's not only the youngest son that the father goes after, but something we miss from this story is he actually ran after both sons. Because remember, <laughs> the oldest son was like, I'm not going in there. I don't care if my brother's back. That's his son. Doesn't belong to me. <laughs> he goes off and does what he does, and you throw a party because he comes home. My friends and I just want a goat to celebrate with. You don't give us that goat. And the father runs out to the eldest son goes to the youngest son to save him from the elders, goes to the oldest son to save him from himself because he's so filled with bitterness, so filled with resentment, so filled with entitlement that he can't even see the very thing he's complaining about has been his all along. Been his all along. In both cases, the father embarrasses himself in order to say to the kids, this is how much I love you. Prodigal love, redemptive and restoring. Prodigal love, extravagant. And then finally, prodigal love is unconditional, even when it is unrequited or unreturned. Unconditional, even when it's unrequited. Unreturned. There's some hard verses here. Verses 14 to 20 are very difficult verses for me to read. And the reason why they are difficult for me to read is because they tell the real reason why the son came home. 
we look at this and we've been hearing uh, that, that the son came home because he came to a place of repentance. Maybe down the line he may have. But the reality is the son came home because his stomach was growling. He was hungry. There's a famine in the land. He knows he left home in a way that was like, mm, dad may not take me back as his son. But if I go back as a servant, sure enough, he's going to feed me. That's why I say I don't think the son came running with his head hanging low. I think the son had a little bit of pride as to, you know, I, I got this. I, I come up with a story, and I know my dad's a compassionate man. He'll take this story, and he'll feed me. It wasn't repentance. It was hunger that brought the son home. But then there's that uh, second, the, uh, the second son, the eldest son. If you look at it, despite all of the uh, ways in which the father equally showed his extravagant love to his sons, it was the loss of a party and a goat that kept this son away. He didn't even realize that the oldest, the youngest son, by leaving the way he did, had gotten all that he was going to get. And everything that the father earned from that point on, when the father died, that went to the eldest son. Father said, everything I have is yours. You're crying over a goat? Son, you can have it all. It belongs to you. I celebrate you. And I'm celebrating this son because the father's love was that unconditional. And neither son returned that love. You know, there's a verse that, that um, is often skipped here, and I just wonder if I could read it for you. It's verse 33. There is no verse 33. And I find that sad. Because for all we know, the youngest son never repented. And the oldest son stayed in his bitterness. But what we do know is that the father's love was unconditional. And he was waiting for them to return home. And no matter what happened, he was going to express his love. Prodigal love, redemptive and restorative even in the face of rebellion, extravagant even though it risks embarrassment, unconditional even when it's unrequited. So if all of this is what we're talking about, can you tell me why you named this thing the step cut and daddy, Kelvin? You knew I was going to come back to it. Well, like I said, I grew up in a Baptist church. We're Baptists that worship like Pentecostals. And on any given Sunday, someone would get uh, excited and joyful and we would say they'd get happy and they were touched by the Spirit and they would begin dancing and we'd say, so-and-so is cutting their step. And then we always had that one person who every single Sunday at the same time in the service, the only thing that had to happen was the organist would hit a certain note and you could almost count down, three, two, one, ah, they start dancing and <laughs> I want you to see something here, friends. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. 
He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That word rejoice means to whirl about with exceeding great joy. Do you know that every time our heavenly father sees you and he sees me and he sees us, he cuts his step. He dances with joy. Not only does he cut his step, but he sings a song, almost as if he's putting the ring on the finger. And maybe the song sounds something like this. I sing a song of joy over you, my people. I whirl about and dance. I'm dancing as I sing, for I created you in my image. And I place my precious seal on your heart. And I clap my hands as I whirl about with joy. Yes, I clap my hands as I whirl about with joy. The picture here that is painted of prodigal love is the same love that our Heavenly Father has for you and for me. It's the kind of love that is redemptive and restorative, even in the face of rebellion. It's the kind of love that's extravagant. And I get the picture that when he dances, he lifts his robe <laughs> and says, I'll cut my step in a way that you see it so that you know that I'll become undignified to let my child know how much I love him, how much I love her. And it is unconditional. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, you or I could do that would separate us from his love. So as I close, I ask this question, where do you need to encounter the prodigal love of the step-cut-and-daddy cutting in your life today? Maybe, You've said to God, I'm done. Almost as if you're saying to him, whatever share of the estate, you keep it. I'm done. I'm going my own way. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> to you, he says, you can go, but I'm coming after you. And when you decide to turn, I'll be right here to restore you. And whatever you've done, I can redeem it. Maybe you're saying, I need to see the extravagant love of the Father. Because everyone that I know or any love that I've ever seen has never been the kind of love that would be willing to risk embarrassment to express that love to me. In fact, the kind of love I've experienced has always embarrassed me, has always stripped me of my dignity, has always stripped me of my pride, has always stripped me of my self-worth. And you're trying to tell me that there is someone who loves me in this way? Yes. And he loves you so much that he's singing over you right now. And if that's you, my prayer is that you can hear that song and you can get a picture of the dance. Or maybe 
you need to know that his love is unconditional. Because you're saying, not only have I been rebellious, but I've walked away so many times. <laughs> Done my own thing so many times. There is absolutely no way he would ever, ever, ever take me back. And to you, I say these words. His love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on you. Because a step cutting daddy has a love that is redemptive and restorative, has a love that is extravagant, and has a love that is unconditional. And wherever you are today, my prayer is that you not only receive that love, but you walk in that love and let his love wash over you in a powerful way. Would you stand? God, I'm grateful today that your word tells us that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I'm grateful today that your mercies never come to an end. And that every morning we can see and experience your faithfulness. Grateful today that your love, your word says that you have loved us with an everlasting love. And for each and every person in this room, each and every person that is online, each and every person that may be at uh, the, the other campus, Lord, today, may your love be poured out in such a way that they would know your redemptive, restorative, extravagant, unconditional love. And that would know that we have a Father who sings and dances over his people. In the name of the Father, 